Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Gardens. Sponsored by By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We're happy for them. Thanks very much for joining us. Good morning, Denny Long here. Welcome to our CCO uh, Smart Garden Show. Let me introduce, if you're new to the show, thanks for uh, joining us. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, is with us this morning. Hadn't seen you for a while. I know. I've been slacking off. (laughs) (laughs) No, we had our garden tour, so that was pretty exciting. I wasn't that busy, but I really got to enjoy the garden tour. Well, that's good. The garden tour people did a fantastic job. You love your job. I love my job, yes, yes. And we appreciate the help, the expertise you bring to uh, our show here on CCO. If you do have a lawn or garden question, if you're familiar with the show, you know we tend to get really busy with both phone calls and text messages. So let's uh, get it underway. 651-989-9226. Uh, or send a text, 81807. You can call right now. The lines have been cleared, and you can use them for your uh, uh, lawn or garden question for Teresa Rooney. Um, came back from uh, our good neighbor trip from the uh, the hot southwest, and the yard is still kind of okay, but I don't think we must have had a whole lot of we rain. We didn't have a lot of rain, yeah. You, your yard could probably use some rain. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And remember when your water watered deeply and infrequently. And infrequently. Infrequently. So those roots have to search down into the soil for the water. You don't want them hanging out in the top little bit, you know, in the top inch and a half, because that can dry out really fast. And if you aren't going to water all the time, all the time, all the time, and you have to go away for a little yeah. while, then you come back to a yard that was quite impacted. A little browner. Mm-hmm. But if the roots are way down deep, they can usually find some moisture. I was thinking about, in fact, it has been requested at home to uh, move a couple of boxwoods mm-hmm. uh, that have been in the same place for quite some time. And I thought, mm-hmm. I don't think 90 degree weather is, is no, going on, right? No, it's, you know, it's tough on people. It's tough on plants. Yeah. And, and moving a plant is a stressful thing. So what you can do, though, is you could do what's called root pruning, where you just figure out how big of an area you're going to move. And you take your shovel and you just go one shovel depth straight down all the way around. So you're cutting all those roots. And and in the meantime, what that does is it causes the ends of those roots to say, let's grow more roots. So ah. they grow more roots, but the roots are grown on the inside of that cut. So then you have a lot of nice feeder roots when you do move. You do have to make sure you keep that plant a little more watered and baby it just a little bit. So if you can do that this season before you're going to move it and then wait till it's cooler, like the oh, end of August. And get all your plant moving done for your deciduous plants by the 23rd of September, the 3rd so of September. First, that, that do that first. Do that. Yep. Do that first. And that's good for any of your perennials, your shrubs, your tr- if you have to move a tree, that works too. Excellent. But you, you don't want to dig under. You just cut around the outside and then you'll make that cut again 
when you move All the right. plant. Thanks mm-hmm. for the tip. You That's betcha. Mm-hmm. Now you want to come over and help me? <laughs> sure, I'll yeah. be there. Um, Not today, yeah, though, right? It's on the 32nd of this month. <laughs> I, I can I can you fit have, you in then. You have yeah. time. I have time. If, that if it's day. a full moon. If, if yeah. it's a full moon, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, 651-989-9226. Let's go to uh, Bernice, who's calling from Fairfax. Good morning, Bernice. Good morning, Bernice. Hi. I have a hibiscus that's very healthy. I have it out on my patio, but it is not blooming. It's bloomed in the past. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Um, Did you give it some fertilizer? Oh, I did. I wonder. Okay, Okay. no, that's good. That's good. You you do need to you do need to fertilize them because you're probably watering it an awful lot. So that flushes a lot of the nutrients out of the soil. So you could do a light fertilizer, say, once a week, you know, half strength or a quarter strength, and make sure it's getting full sun. We've had a lot of cloudier days, um, but still yes. your hibiscus should be happy, and it should be starting to bloom then. So you may just remind it it's supposed to be blooming. I will tell it. Yes. All right. <laughs> okay. But try the fertilizer. That might help kickstart it a little bit. Good deal. Thanks, Bernice. Uh, 651-989-9226. Texter says this, uh, what do I do about Japanese beetles in apple tree and raspberries? Oh, yes, they are back again. Um, what you need to do is figure out, mark on your calendar now when you first saw them. Next year, be proactive and a week before start scouting your garden. As soon as you see the first ones, go out early in the morning with a bucket of soapy water and just knock them in. In the, in the early morning, they're not as active. So you can f- knock them into the soapy water and they drown. They emit a pheromone that attracts more beetles. It's kind of like it, when you start texting and it, and it goes viral, you don't want that to happen in your garden. So you want to keep that population way down low. And as they're feeding, that also emits a pheromone or a fragrance from the plant that attracts more beetles. So you want to keep that population as low as possible. Once they're there, there's not really much you can do. Um, if you If you really have a big infestation and you have a big yard, you could Put a trap far, far, far away from where you want them to be and and put the trap over there. However, the trap attracts tons of beetles. So that would be your very last resort of maybe if you're trying to save a crop of something. Otherwise, just know that there's a lot of beetles there. Try to get some birds in your yard. Put up some bird feeders. Um, water baths would be really helpful. Get some of those starlings and other birds that like to eat Japanese beetles. All right. in. Mm-hmm. Do it naturally. Good luck. Yeah. Do it naturally. And then the the extension, extension.umn.edu has an excellent page on Japanese beetles. It tells you when you can treat if you should treat, and how, how those treatments can impact other critters around. So there, there are things you can use, but they're, they're very impactful on our pollinators and other good insects too, so you have to weigh the problems. But next year, try to be proactive, and even now, get out there early in the morning and start knocking them into soapy water and watch them die and drown and smile. <laughs> You'll be smiling. They won't You'll be, be smiling. smiling. They won't be smiling so much. <laughs> and, and, we'll, and, and I'm glad you brought up the website. We'll mention that from time to time, mm-hmm. as we like to do throughout the hour as well. Uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is in studio with us, helping you out uh, by phone and by text. Let's see. Uh, Nancy's calling from Maple Grove. Nancy, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Quick question for you regarding bee balm. Uh, what to do when it's all done blooming? Do I come back? Do I leave it? And when would be a good time to 
Okay, those are good questions. Um, your bee balm, you can you can deadhead it if you want. Uh, it's not going to rebloom for you. It blooms one time and then it's done. So I like to leave the seed heads up because they're quite interesting and they can make some interesting um, uh, ornaments in the winter time. The little finches love to come and take the seeds, so that's fun too. And if you're wanting it to spread, you definitely want to not deadhead it. So it can seed out into your garden and put the little ones out there. Again, I wouldn't be moving anything till the end of August when it's a little cooler or the beginning of September. And that goes for just about anything. If you have to move something, it's a lot of stress on you and the plants. So now is just the time to be doing some weeding and drinking, you know, beverages in your garden and enjoying your garden. It's not the time to be moving plants. All right, Teresa, we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering answering your questions both by phone and by uh, by text. And as usual, Teresa, we have a, we have a lot of both. Excellent. So let's get Excellent. to it. Let's see who's been waiting. Uh, Bill is calling from New Hope with a question. Go ahead, Bill. Good morning. Hi. We've got an autumn blaze maple that we normally trim uh, kind of late winter, but we, now we have some small branches. You have to kind of dodge on the mm-hmm. sidewalk. Uh, are we okay trimming that yep. now? Go ahead and trim it. You can trim your maples pretty much any time. And do we have to do anything to dress the wound and where that's, you cut it? That's a good question. You don't have to do any sealer uh, for the pruning cuts on a maple. Uh, so just go ahead and trim that autumn blaze. And again, if you're ever trimming a lot, um, you know, minimize it to 25% or less. Um, and then some of those branches that you don't want to trim, maybe you want to wait till next season. Just put a little uh, ribbon or something around them so that in the end of um winter, you'll know, oh, that's the one that kept hitting me in the head, and that's the one oh, I need to. Because okay. when the leaves go off, the branches raise up, and then you can't remember which one was the one that was bonked in you. Good idea. Very good. Good luck. Th- thanks, Bill. Mm-hmm. Frank is calling from Bloomington with a question. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Teresa. Just uh, probably a silly question. There's I don't know. no silly questions. <laughs> okay. Back in April, I was cutting up a Fuji apple, and I seen them seeds, and I thought, what would happen if I put some in a planter? Mm -hmm. So I did, Mm -hmm. and now uh, I planted four, three, four seeds, and one seed did well, and I got Mm -hmm. a small tree about 15 inches high. Excellent. Well, is that a tree that can handle Minnesota climate? I I don't know that the Fuji is. Um, Apples, uh, when you eat the apple itself, you're eating a Fuji apple. But the seeds inside are part Fuji and part something else. So you don't know what the something else is. So you don't. Um, know what that tree is going to produce. If it if it was viable here, and I kind of don't think Fuji is strong enough here, um, if it is viable here, it may produce something really awful or really good. It may even produce a Fuji, but there's no guarantees. Mm. But it's a nice, you could just have it as a small houseplant you know, or a fairly large houseplant and bring it in and out like you would a lemon tree or an, um, a tree and just see what kind of fruit it produces. Um, you know, you could also graft it onto a hardy rootstock and see if that works. Again, I just don't think the Fuji is strong enough to make it here, but I don't know that that variety specifically. I bet you that's a, a thing that somebody could go online at the university. They could go online easily yeah. and, and see what the zone, you could even just Google zone Fuji apple and sure. question mark, what zone is a Fuji apple? And they would be able to tell you that. But again, you don't know what the parentage is, so you don't know yeah. where that other pollen came from and you don't know what you're going to get. Very good, Frank. Good, Frank. 
Larry is calling from Invergrove Heights with a question. Larry, Teresa's listening. Hey, Larry. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Teresa. Just a quick question. I built a six-foot-by-six-foot raised vegetable garden for my granddaughter. Oh, wonderful. And I put uh, ten different types of tomato plants in there with four or five different uh, pepper plants. Okay. And here's the problem. Out of all those tomato plants, only one of them has got a little green tomato. None of the rest, uh, I don't know if it's a a bee problem, not enough bees, or... I'm have, not quite sure what's Have they going been on. flowering? No, just, okay. the, just the one. Okay. You, you, they need to flower. It depends on which varieties you put in. Some of them do flower a little bit later. Um, it, 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 you, all, you may want to check the soil, but if something, if they're looking good and healthy, if they're looking really, really green and that's there's no flowers, could be a nitrogen, um, over nitrogen and not enough of the other um, in the soil. So you could get a general fertilizer and that might help bring some of that, uh, the, the potassium and phosphorus back up into that soil. Um, we have had a lot of cloudy days that kind of impacts it, and it depends on when you planted them and if they're getting enough water and everything else. So so if, if something, you need the flowers first, and then the pollinators come and get, but if you don't get the flowers, you're not going to get any fruit at all. Here's a text that's related to tomatoes, too, like Larry's. This is what causes tomatoes to be brown on the bottoms of my patio tomatoes. Oh, the the dreaded blossom end rot. Um, blossom end rot happens when the tomato... The tomato. The tomato is making the the actual fruit, and it runs out of calcium, so it just kind of fakes making that tomato. It just fudges it and says whatever. What happens is the roots were damaged somehow. Overwatering and underwatering can damage the roots, especially in patio uh, the plants in the pots. So you want to make sure you keep the soil moist at all times, um, and and that and don't fertilize it till it's been in the soil for like three to four weeks, so those roots can really grow. Second batch of tomatoes Tomatoes will be just fine. First batch, just cut off the blossom end rot part. They're just fine. Happens to peppers too. And um, if you grow smaller tomatoes, your grapes and your cherries and aromas, that doesn't happen as frequently. And if you grow tomatoes that fruit later, when the plants are more established, it doesn't happen. So basically, we just short answer is you overwatered or underwatered it. And uh, that's the long answer was wow. the shortage of calcium. And if you know you're going to overwater and, and, and uh, underwater it, you can also spray. There's a little calcium sprays you can spray on the blossoms. Mm. All right. So you can supplement if you know you're going to be not the best waterer in the world. Thank you, Larry. Thanks. Bev in Minneapolis is on the horn with a question. Go ahead, Bev. Hi, Bev. Uh, hi. Uh, I have um, a magnolia tree. That's just growing like crazy. Well, I think it doesn't get quite enough sun, so it went really up. It's tall. Mm -hmm. But And yesterday I went out to trim off one or two branches that had just kind of stuck out too far and discovered a fungus on every branch, a white powdery fungus. Hmm. And I've never seen that on before, and uh, I just wondered what might... What what that could be? Um, I'm not yep. familiar with it either. I know we have seen an uptake in uh, blo- um, scale on magnolias, which is very difficult to deal with. I would suggest you head over to the extension.umn.edu website and see if they can help you with that one. Okay. Um, I I don't know offhand. I haven't heard of a fungus. And was it on the leaves or the branches? It's kind of like uh, on the bottom of 
on your part of the branch, even the small mm. branches, but it's mm. on every branch. Yeah, the- that, that, that kind of, and I don't know what the scale looks like, so I don't know if the scale would present as that. Um, yeah. And you may even Google um, magnolia scale. I don't, th- I think that's more brown and round or oval rather than a, a fun. Okay. But I honestly, I honestly don't know that one. I'm really sorry. I can't help you with that one. Get on the website. See if you can Go on the website. And yeah, and or just Google Magnolia Fungus UMN and and see if there's anything that way on it. Good good. luck. Mm -hmm. Teresa, we have to usually our bottom of the hour break here, but we have another half hour of the show to go. So don't uh, give up. Those folks on the line, hang on. Texters, we're going to pick up on your text messages as well. I mentioned this to Teresa before. Uh, we went on the air, but the and you know you've heard of the Minnesota Water Garden Society. They have a water garden. I have. <laughs> yes, the water garden tour is going to be. This is the twentieth year, by the way, uh, July twenty ninth and thirtieth. It's a, it is a this Minnesota Water Garden Society uh, is a nonprofit organization focused on education of water gardening. So. That's July 29th and 30th. I bet you could Google that too. You could. And it's, I went on the tour one year. It was fantastic. Yeah. Some of the gardens were, and they, they used to have them so you could go at night so the gardens were lit. Oh, I don't know I'm if not, this one has that or not. Not sure either. It's like, oh my gosh, they were amazing. But if you're thinking of putting in a water garden, it's, they're really helpful. Those people know lots of stuff. And it's the end of the month, and it's the end of the month. So it's something, it's something fun to do yeah. and keeps you out of trouble and you're looking at plants and gardens and fish. Right. Life is good. Hang on, Teresa. We're going to take this break back with more Smart Garden Show here on A3OWCCO. Temperature reading 70. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard who make the best patio furniture in the whole world right here in Minnesota. We'll talk about that great furniture coming up in a few minutes or so. Uh, we have callers, uh, Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, and we have uh, texters as well. In fact, uh, there was a text that came in earlier. It said, we recently moved into a new house with a yard overrun with weeds, plantain, clover, things like that. Quite a bit of it. Uh, can we get it under control or should we just consider resodding? You know, I would go to the website. Uh, usually if it's 50% or more weeds, they say to redo Start it. Over. But Sam has some great um, how to take care of your turf on the extension.umn.edu website. And uh, there's some great information on how to take care of your turf and renovating lawns. Okay, very good. Uh, Bev is uh, calling uh, CCO this morning. Bev, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Bev. Hi. Um, good morning. Um, I have a question about what is happening um, to my happy returns um, daylily. Mm-hmm. They're drying up. They look like it's September. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it seems like there's some down at the base. There's all kinds of like little white uh, almost looks like salt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've noticed that too on mine. I think some of it is a little bit of the heat and water stress. Um, they, they do get some diseases, but not that many. Um, gee, I should have looked this up before because I've been wondering what, what my happy returns are doing out there too because they don't look that good right now. I just assumed it was my poor watering skills. Uh, but, but they do get some, they do get some diseases, not that many. I would just, you know, if, if they're really looking bad, cut them back, um, give them some extra water. Um, they should come back just fine for you. You can also go onto the extension.umn.edu website and, um, and check that out. I, sorry, I don't have a really definite answer right okay. now. Well, yeah, I good. knew I should have researched that. Next time. Next time. Darn it. There's always tomorrow. <laughs> uh, let's uh, talk to Lois, who's calling from Crystal. Hi, Lois. Hi, Lois. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. 
Um, mine's also about daylilies. I have along the the northeast side of my house. There, you know, there's just a whole. They're along the whole side of the house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, and they've been there for just years and years, and they're you know coming out further into the yard. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take them out, get rid of them. Sure. And so, what is the best way? What would be the best way to do that? There's a lot of them. Yep, you you can dig them. Um, I would probably like weed whack them all down first, so you're not dealing with a lot of above ground foliage. Get rid of all that foliage. Put it in your compost bin or something else, or or you know send it to the city compost, and then just dig everything up. If you want to, you can also do a a, a broadleaf weed killer on them, and that would work too. So you can use that, um, and then just kill everything. Uh, just dig up as much as you can. So it's up to you how much work you want to put into it. All right, yep. uh, and and one question with the with the other person who was having problems oh yes. with her with her daylily, um, make sure your daylilies don't get really crowded. They they sometimes will stop blooming, and they, if they get a little too crowded, they get a little stressed. Oh, okay. So you may they may need some dividing then. That right. that's a possibility too if they were a little thick and we'll overcrowded. Check that out. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Texter says my magnolia needs pruning. What is the best time? Also, do magnolias sucker like a basswood? It has quote stems down at the bottom. One rather big one that I would like to cut off, but it, uh, can you trim uh, a magnolia now? Or I think you can trim them now. I I double check on the website. Um, I I don't normally trim my magnolias, so I, I do it very briefly. Um, it, it would be you would be cutting off next year's flowers because they've already set their buds, and I don't believe magnolias sucker. So it it could just be a really low branch or something like that. But if it's in your way, go ahead and trim it off and just understand that you're probably cutting off some of next year's flowerings. It's true. Uh, Dorothy is on the horn with a question for you. Dorothy, Teresa is listening. Hi, Dorothy. Good morning. I'm wondering what has happened to my red raspberries. I had lots of raspberries the last couple of years, and now this year there's hardly any, and some of them have hard the the little bushes have hardly come up. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, what what has happened and what could I do? Sure, Bear, raspberries get a lot of different diseases, but also they're very, very, very heavy feeders. So you have to make sure that you're feeding your raspberries. So you need to give them some compost, and I would try to top dress compost maybe two or three times a year, or oh. at least once a year. Or give them some fertilizer, some, you know, 10, 10, 10, something like that. Make sure they're getting enough water and enough sunshine. Sometimes we forget that the trees grow and they start shading our plants. And we don't realize it because it happens so gradually. But the plants, their shading realizes realize it. So you want to make sure they're still in full sun. They're getting lots of um, nutrition and water. And then um, look, make sure they're healthy looking, that they're not getting diseases. If they do get some of the raspberry diseases, you need to take them all out and start again with fresh stock. 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you'd like to use it or simply send a text if you like. 81807. Speaking of text, Teresa, uh, here's one. It says, in April, I transplanted a dogwood seven feet tall from a full sun area to mostly shade. Now I'm seeing very small leaves. Should I fertilize or prune, do you think? I probably wouldn't fertilize or prune. I'd probably make sure it's getting enough water. It's probably in a little bit of a transplant shock, and it was used to full sun, so it's going to have a little different yeah. reaction. Um, so it's just stressed. Uh, April, May, June, July. 
Uh, you could give it a light fertilizer. I would do it like right now. You'd, you After August 1st, you don't want to be fertilizing any of your perennials. So if you wanted to give it a, a light fertilizer, you could otherwise just top dress with compost. Keep it watered really well and understand for the next two or three years, you're going to have to baby it a little bit. Uh, a texter wants to know if you've ever heard of uh, the certain worms that eat Japanese beetle larvae. I have not heard of those. I haven't either. Nope. Not, not aware of that. And and since they're not native, I probably wouldn't introduce them. No, that's probably a good idea. who knows what else they would eat. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> However, we do have jumping worms now, so that's a, a, it's a pleasant thing to deal with, yes. Okay. <laughs> They've just moved into our area. Really? Oh, joy, yeah. <laughs> They They're, don't really jump. They just wiggle really, really fast. fast. And they can they can propel themselves into the air. So they're not like like jumping like rabbits. But okay, yeah, yeah, you don't really want those. So if you see them, don't transport them anywhere either. Text number is eight one eight zero seven, and this texter says our endless summer has not bloomed the last two years. We did move it three springs ago. We gave it uh, aluminum sulfate for the color. Uh, how about fertilizer? Our Lots Annabelle of fertilizer. Hydrangeas are happy and yeah. blooming. Lots of fertilizer. Uh, the endless summer is a really heavy feeder. Is it? Needs a little more sun than a regular hydrangea than you would think, so it likes the full sun. Lots of water, lots of fertilizer. Very good. Uh, Nick is calling from Chaska with a question. Uh, good morning, Nick. Morning, Nick. Hello. Good morning. Uh, first time caller. Thanks for taking Excellent. my call. Excellent. Thank you. Um, I have, I, I live in a rental, and my whole yard is laid over an old class five gravel parking lot. Okay. So you have good drainage. Okay. Let's look at it that way. You have good drainage. Okay. Okay. Um, now I'm trying to get grass to grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, there is a layer of soil, but it's probably only, oh, two, three, maybe four inches thick. Okay. That's really going to be tough. Um, so you want to know what to do? What to do? What to do? What I would try to do is, if you can, top dress with a tiny bit of compost, mow your grass as high as you possibly can, and um, and just keep keep uh, keep it as healthy as possible, as thick as possible. Um, mow it high, water infrequently, but make sure it does get enough water. With that drainage issue underneath, you're gonna be it's gonna be leaching a lot of water, and it's gonna go really quickly. So you may need to do a little more watering. Um, you know, four inches. If you could get those roots down four inches, that would be helpful. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it, you're you're having a tough a tough thing there. But you can do it. It's just gonna take a little extra work. And I would suggest heading over to the website extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab. There's fantastic information about turf. Sam has put a lot of good information. Sam's put a lot of good things on there. Um, There are some, you know, you can even maybe start changing up some of the grass that you overseed with. That might help too if you need to overseed. And then just keep an eye on the weeds and and try try to kick back the weeds if you can. Good luck with that, Nick. Good luck. Texter says, is it okay to plant hostas now? How late in the fall can you plant them? Um, you can you can plant anything now. You can move anything now. It's just more stressful for the plants. Sometimes this might be the only time you're going to get the hosta, so go ahead and plant it. Just take care of it. It's going to be a little stressed. Make sure you keep it well watered. With hostas, I would try to get them in by the third week of September. Um, if you're up north, maybe by the second week of September. Uh, you want to give them about six weeks into the ground before the ground freezes, and that's for all your perennials and your deciduous trees. You want those to have six weeks before the ground freezes. 
Very good. Okay. Hang on, Teresa. Quick break here, and we'll be right back with more. And our sponsor, By the Art Patio Furniture, helps bring us this show every week. We appreciate that. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Glad you could join us. Uh, Denny along here with uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney helping us out today. Uh, let's, let's see, 70 is the temp, Teresa, going for 90 today. Yuck. Back to the phones we go. <laughs> Dennis is calling from uh, Foley. Go ahead, Dennis. Good morning. Hi, Dennis. Hi, good morning. I have a, what I think is a mountain ash tree, and uh, it's about 8 to 10 inches in diameter, uh, about 6 feet from the base. There's a large limb that's cracked, and it's separating from the main trunk, and this thing is split about three-quarters of the way down toward the base. Is it possible to fix this thing? or just... uh, what I, I, I think for fixing, it's going to be you're going to have to remove the branch. Um, there's a three-step process to removing a big branch. Um, you cut under the branch about a foot um, away from the trunk of the tree, so you split the bark so it, so it can't rip more. Uh, then you take off the weight outside of that cut, and then you take off the stub that's left. With the mountain ash, you will need to do a pruning sealer on that immediately after you prune it. Try not to do it on a really heavy, um, moist, uh, humid day. There's a, it, it can be infected by fire blight, which is a, an airborne um, disease that can, that can kill your mountain ash in, in a matter of a weeks uh, or less than a week. Um, but yeah, and, and there's nothing you can do with the cracks except to keep your tree as healthy as you possibly can. The tree has to seal up and do what it's going to do. Um, we can't put sealers or anything on those cracks, but do use a pruning sealer as soon as you're done cutting off the limb. Okay. And go to, go to the extension website, um, extension.umn.edu, and that will give you, if you're looking to prune something, a bigger branch, that gives you that, that, a picture of it if I didn't describe it well enough. All right. Very good, Dennis. Good uh, luck. Tim is calling from St. Cloud with a question for you, Teresa. Go ahead, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi. Hey, about oh, three years ago, I put in a properly built line of evergreen trees. Okay. Uh, Bruce, Bruce, and, and like that. And I watered them, and they're coming along fine. My question is, I would like to get my push mower underneath um, so I can clear out some of the stuff that comes up every spring. When can I, when's a good time to prune those? Okay. And how um, much can I take them back? Well, um, you, if you just want to limb them up, you could take off one lower limb. Uh, trees are, pines normally have their branches and spruce all the way to the bottom. Uh, and and let the the needles accumulate, and that will mo- normally smother a lot of those weeds. When you start lifting up the limbs, um, you're letting sunlight in. They have a really fibrous root system, so that stresses that soil and dries that soil out a little more than that soil would like to be than those roots would like. But you can do it. Um, I would do it as soon as they have put on their new growth in the spring. Uh, if you want to do it now, it's okay, but I would take off the very minimal branches that you need to to get to lift that up a little bit. And you're not just pruning on the outside. You probably want to take off a full branch so that you can then see underneath it. And maybe maybe just take off the branches that are on the inside of your property and leave the branches that are on the outside down. Maybe you don't have to get into the push more on that, um, if, if that makes any sense. All right. Good luck. Thank you, Tim. 
Uh, text. Let's grab some text messages, Teresa. I have never heard it. Well, I guess I have seen this when I visited Phoenix many years ago. Uh, these folks are having a gathering. The lawn is brown. They want to know if there's a product that you could paint your grass that wouldn't hurt the grass. <laughs> I believe there are there are grass paints you can buy. I've seen it in Phoenix. I, I think but you'd I can probably have to get it online. I don't think you're going to find All it here. Right. But you could ask at your local garden store sure. if they have something like that. Um, I don't know if it would get on people's shoes That's a and, good point. or anything like that. Um, yeah, and and if you're going to have those many people on a really stressed lawn, it's going to really stress your lawn. So make sure you have the website available so after your party, you then can figure out what you need to do in the fall <laughs> and in the late late summer to bring that poor little lawn back to life again. Dexter asks this best time of the year to straighten a leaning honeycrisp tree. Um when it's growing, so this would be a good time. Um, just, uh, again, you want to use, um, you know, you want to pull it back. Uh, you only want to leave that, the the riggings that you're going to use, you want to leave them up one season, which means just summer. If you have to do it again in the in the next summer, you move where that rigging is, so you pull it back a little bit more. Um, that That's how you do that. When it's a growing, actively growing is the best time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texter says this, we planted onions for the last couple of years and they never get big bulbs. My husband does eat them as scallions, but even the few that he leaves don't get big. Um, You have to make sure to plant them early. You have to make sure you're planting long day onions, um, not short day onions. So make sure they're, they're the kind that are supposed to bulb out and that they do say long day onions. The South has to grow short day onions because they have, they have hot, short um, t- the the sun is more above. We have longer days because we have uh, the the sun is um, at an at a different angle for us. Mm-hmm. So long day onions that you need. We have a three inch diameter crab apple tree that appears to be partially separated at the root graft due to storms. Still in good shape and leafing out, but moves a lot in the wind, even though staked. Uh, just a matter of time before it breaks the rest of the way. Any way to get it to reattach at the graft? You think? Uh, you know, you could, you could. I can't think of any way to get it to reattach if if it's already separating. Um, I don't know how you would pull those back together again. You you, you know, if you put moss or th- something on that, um, I I can't imagine how it would reattach. And by staking it, you you've kind of like helped it be kind of weaker because it hasn't had to stand on its own. But you've probably given it an extra year or two of life because you have given it that stake. Um, maybe plant another one close by and enjoy this one as long as you can. Here's a text and we'll grab as many as we can. We're almost out of time. A couple minutes to go. I've had a butterfly house in my yard for more than a year. Texter says even have milkweed growing this year. What attracts them into the house? Probably nothing. The butterfly houses are more for, for decoration. For decoration. You need to put some, some leaves in there, uh, some dead leaves in there in the fall. Um, they may overwinter in there. Uh, but, but it's more for decoration um, and, and that. So uh, you want to make your yard as healthy as you can, limit your use of pesticides, have a variety of flowers, have a variety of larval food for them. Uh, so figure out what butterflies you want, what the larva eats, and have um, enough for the mom and dad and enough for the babies. You want to plant things for everybody. Okay. 
Uh, cherry tree question. Total crop wormy. Despite spraying three times with fruit tree spray, I would soak in water to wash and sort. Many tiny white worms. Yeah, that's Any the suggestions spotted, for next year? Spotted wing drosilla, at, or dros, I'm saying it wrong. Um, go on our website, extension.umn.edu. Clean up everything really well. You've got to get rid of as many of the um the uh, the larvae as you possibly can. They're just nasty. And yeah, they do like all the soft fruit, and including your raspberries. Spotted wing drufsola. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mary Beth has this question. We have to spray a birch tree for... A lot of tree questions today. Mm-hmm. We have to spray a birch tree for beetles. Should we cover the perennials before the tree, uh, below the tree first? It's a new perennial garden. Um, I would I would see what the what your what the uh, insecticide is that you're spraying, but yeah, that would be nice because then if there's any insects down underneath, they aren't going to be impacted by what you're spraying. That's a great idea. All right, let's see if we can grab one more before we uh, let you go today. I want to start growing some uh, great dogwood for wildlife. Can I just grab the white berries in the fall and plant them? You could try it. Sure. Um, yeah, go ahead and plant them. You may even want to try something called winter sowing for those. Uh, you can Google it online, winter sowing, S-O-W-I-N-G. And um, it's basically you plant those things so they in, in you know, milk jugs in January and put them outside. When should I deadhead my peonies? Uh, you can deadhead them uh, as soon as they're finished blooming, or you can just leave the little seed heads on. But, yep, anytime you want. I'll tell you what, we're just about out of time, just a half a minute or so to go. Maybe we should remind our folks, our listeners, about that U of M website that's so good. Mm -hmm. Extension.umn.edu and look for Master Gardeners everywhere. They're kind of like Japanese beetles. (laughs) But you click on the garden tab, Click on the garden tab, yep. Mm -hmm. And a lot of great information. Even if you haven't been gardening at all, it's a good way to find out, to learn just about everything. everything. And look for Master Gardeners at the State Fair. We'll be there. Can you believe we're we're talking about the State Fair? Oh, my goodness, yep. This is the middle of July. I know, I know. Teresa, yeah. it's always good to see you. It was wonderful you. to see you again. Thanks great, for all the good help as usual. Yes, thanks for all the good help you guys bring to the table every week. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.